Welcome to Media in Minutes. This is your host, Angela Toole. This podcast features in-depth interviews with those who report on the world around us. They share everything from their favorite stories to what happened behind the lens and give us a glimpse into their world. From our studio here at Communications Redefined, this is Media in Minutes. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Sarah Barr. Sarah is a culture reporter for the New York Times, currently based in Indiana because of the pandemic. Since she began there a little over nine months ago, she has officially contributed more than 100,000 words to the newspaper. Prior to this, she worked as an arts reporter and digital producer for the Indianapolis Star and writer for Indie Monthly. She's also written for USA Today and Forbes. Sarah has three bachelor degrees in English, Spanish, and journalism, as well as a master's, and I should mention, only graduated from undergrad three years ago. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks so much for asking me. So we'll start with, I know culture reporter for the New York Times has always been your dream job. And you had that goal of getting there in about 15 years after you graduated. Instead, it only took a few. How did you manage that? Well, you know, I'm not quite there yet. I'm a culture reporting fellow. So I'm at the Times through the end of May. Okay. Um, But as far as like how I managed it, so I'll just take you back to the beginning of my time with New York Times. So um, I applied to the Dow Jones News Fund uh, multi-platform editing internship program during my first year of graduate school at IUPUI, which would have been in 2018. And part of that is that you take a copy editing test. And then um, if you're selected, you're placed at news organizations around the country. And one of the possibilities that I learned is the New York Times, because the director of the program called to ask me how I felt about working there. And I was like, what kind of question is that? Of course, I want to go to the New York Times. Right. So I interned on the Flex desk in summer 2019, which was basically um, editing stories from across the newsroom, from sports to politics, to debate coverage, to breaking news, uh, to newsletters, fun features, some of everything. Okay. But my true passion is arts and culture reporting. And the Times um, recently established a year-long fellowship program of around, I think it's like 30 fellows a year. And one of those positions is an arts reporter. So I applied for that in my second year of grad school, and I was beyond thrilled when I found out that I'd get to spend an entire year, you know, reporting on Broadway and New York theater and art, dance, music, TV, film. Then, as you know, that the the pandemic happened. What timing, right? (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, while, while some news organizations like canceled their internships or, yeah, like called off summer stuff, um, I'm so glad the New York Times didn't. And even though there's like no live entertainment right now, there's still plenty of news to cover in the cultural world. So I, I've been busy and it's a truly rewarding experience. Oh, that's great. And while you were an intern there, I saw that you saw 30 theater shows in 10 weeks. So you have to tell us what were some of the favorites and not so favorites. Yeah, that was a big part of my pitch to the New York Times as to why they should take me back is I was like, I'm ready to do this for an entire year. Um, So yeah, I wrote a piece for the section at the end of my internship about seeing 30 shows in 10 weeks on a student budget. Um, Lots of waking up early after working nights, you know, stakeout rush tickets, (laughs) entering and losing lots of lotteries. I didn't win the Hamilton lottery the entire summer. Oh, But first shows, um, my absolute favorite, there's no question, it was the Lincoln Center production of My Fair Lady that starred Laura Benanti. Okay. Which I I would have seen that several more times if I hadn't waited until the very last week to go. 
Dear Evan Hansen, for sure. Um, I won the lottery for that one and got to sit front row and got to see Andrew Barth Feldman give this really amazing performance. Uh, Frankie and Johnny in the Claire de Lune with Michael Shannon and Audra McDonald, which is actually one of two or three shows that I've seen that are currently in consideration for this year's, I guess it's this year's Tony Awards that may or may not happen. Um, but it's crazy to think that I've seen some of the shows that, you know, are up for consideration considering it's been almost two years now since I've lived in New York. Yeah. What about, so can you say some of your not favorites or would you rather not mention that? <laughs> um, the one that comes to mind, I mean, it's Broadway, so most of it is pretty. They're all pretty great, right? But my least favorite would have to be the first one that I actually saw, which was Be More Chill. And I had really high expectations for that musical based on the soundtrack. And I love Michael in the bathroom. Just seeing the actual story after listening to the soundtrack just didn't live up to my expectations. And I was like, I, I thought there was going to be more here. So, you know, that, yeah. that was the first show I saw. And it was kind of all, I, it all was, it got better from there. <laughs> it got better. Good. That, that's good. You, you don't want it the other way around, right? <laughs> so for those who don't know, define for us all what culture covers. Basically everything in the arts world except books. I've considered putting that in my Twitter bio, just considering all the books pitches I get. Like I don't cover books, but I do cover um, breaking news and features in theater, art, dance, design, music, pop culture, TV, and film. I think that's everything. There might be some other disciplines, but those are like the main ones. That's broad. You have to know a lot about a lot of areas. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it gets easier too after having been here. Like when I first got here, it was a, a steep learning curve of just having to be conscious of what's happening in all these worlds, but it definitely gets easier having spent a longer time. Yeah. You've interviewed Oscar nominees, celebrities, musicians, Broadway stars. Who are some of the most memorable to you? Um, So one really cool moment this fall was I was doing Tony Awards nominations interviews and I got to talk to Jake Gyllenhaal, who told me I was low-key killing it. Wow. (laughs) What a compliment. (laughs) So that, that was really cool. Um, you ever, does I, it get better from there? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that, that was, for, I did get to talk to Anthony Fauci, which was really cool. Cause I mean, I'm yeah. an art reporter. So like, I, I got to talk to him about like theaters reopening, but that's like not something that you would think you would get to do as an arts reporter. So that was really cool. I mean, he, he answered the phone. He's like, hi, this is Tony. I'm like, Tony who? He that, called that was, you directly? Yeah. Not answered the phone, but yeah, he okay. called me. And I wasn't like expecting it because I was just expecting to be like a statement from like a spokesperson or something. Right. Yeah. It was me that picked up. He was like, hi, this is Tony. I was like, Fauci. It it was great. (laughs) Right. You're caught off guard, right? Who else did I talk to? Oh, uh, Billie Eilish, Kelly Marie Tran. uh, Matthew Lewis is another memorable one. Um, That was actually Christmas Eve was I interviewed him from his parents' study in the UK. Um, because he was home for the holidays and that was a zoom interview so he'd overlooked the fact that his mom had basically made the room into a shrine to him like with all his movie posters on the wall (sighs) it was just something where it's like he he was so used to it that he didn't think about it and I was like hey (laughs) your your face is all over the walls there he was like oh (laughs) that is really funny I've seen some days where you've written 3,500 words and six stories in one day yes that that was Monday (laughs) (laughs) intense um but that was also a lot of that was the Oscars so kind of like I mentioned before the nice thing is like once I kind of do the background research for an award show or kind of like have the knowledge of like what the storylines are or what's been nominated I can pretty quickly bang out other stories about that same thing sure. so it's a lot easier than writing like six different stories about different topics I mean not all of them were Oscar stories there were some other ones too 
but it just it gets a lot easier once you spent like now almost nine months reporting on the world of film to just know or have a better grasp of things than I would if I was just coming in as someone from another desk like oh the Oscars what what's going on with this so right right you're prepared (laughs) what have been some of your all-time favorite stories um, well, I, you know, I love any chance I get to get Indianapolis into the New York Times. So this week, um, I just did a story on all the public art in Indianapolis that's yes. popping up in March Madness. And then I'll have another one that's publishing either later today or tomorrow about another March Madness related storyline. So that's been really exciting. Um, but as far as like all time favorites, well, I did one this fall that was really cool. It was another Indiana story about the Bob Ross experience that was opening in Muncie. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, it was at the home where he filmed the show. So um, that was one of like three or four in-person reporting things I've gotten to do since March. <laughs> oh, um, how sad. But yeah, there was, I mean, it wasn't, it was a great day. There was like a costume contest with Bob Ross bobblehead prizes. There was a big paint out on the lawn. Like it was just this fabulous experience. And I'm so happy that I got the chance to do that. What about some of your worst, like difficult interview? You don't have to name names, you know, a story that didn't go as planned. <laughs> Let's see. One that comes to mind right away is there was one, I, I think the prize for my most thwarted reporting experience recently has to go to a feature I did for the New York Times this fall. Um, and it was about the Westchester Broadway Theater that was closing or that closed in November. Okay. And it was one of the last professional dinner theaters in the country. And it had been home to like a number of Broadway actors over the years from Will Swenson to Faith Prince. And so basically I set out to do this, you know, do a history of the place, um, contextualize the loss as like the death of one of the last dinner theaters in America. And everything was going well. You know, I'd reached out to the theater's PR person. She passed my information on to the owners um, and started the theater. I think it was 46 years ago, but then I didn't get a call from them. And I was like, okay, (sighs) what's up with this? Um, and they kind of had, you know, dropped off the face of the earth. And then I heard from the PR person who, I mean, I might add, she was doing this like as a volunteer because obviously none of the former employees were being paid now that the theater was. Right. So it turns out that the owners who are both like 80 or almost 80 were just kind of too sad and decided they didn't want to talk about it. Oh. For a while there, I was like, what is, what is going on? Like, is there something like shady going on here or but it was just like that they were really heartbroken and didn't want to talk about it. And I was like, okay, like, I totally understand. Like you've invested your life in this, but also like, there goes my story. And it's hard to get a comprehensive history of the place when, you know, the people who've run it from the founding to the present, like really can't be a source for that. Right. So you didn't get to write it? Oh, I did get to write it. So I did a run around on that. And basically I talked to lots of other people. Um, I was tracking down like former employees, people who'd worked there not just at the current moment, but in the past. And I dug into these old clippings um, about the theater. And basically, I mean, I think it turned out well. I just had to, whereas I could have had like one source for the information before, I had to get it from a lot of different places of people who'd all played various roles. Right. So it took like a week longer than expected. Because I, I bet. We kind of inventive on sourcing, but that was, that, that was a really fun experience. Yeah, and it sounds like that one almost didn't happen. Do you have any that didn't make into print that you wanted to tell? I mean, one thing I would say is that um, any editor that's worked with me will tell you I always have lots of ideas. So if something doesn't make it, it generally goes back on my idea list for future use. Um, okay. Unless, unless there's like something time sensitive. Um, one story that I really wish had run, but that the pandemic killed, wasn't even like a really long thing. It was this like 500 word Q&A with Andre DeShields for Indianapolis Monthly because he had been coming to uh, the cabaret. 
and he actually had performed at the Indiana Repertory Theater like before he hit it big with Hades Town. So okay. I got to do this interview with him. And I mean, it was like a 500 word thing, but we talked for like 45 minutes and he was so gracious and he had these great stories about, you know, rehearsing in Central Park so his neighbors wouldn't call the cops on him about, you know, a crazy guy screaming in his apartment and about the Tony Awards because he's, he's, he's still, you know, the reigning Tony winner because we haven't had more Tonys. Right. It's just this really great conversation, but obviously he didn't end up performing at the cabaret and the uh, May issue of Indianapolis Monthly didn't have like a ticket section. So oh. <laughs> well, maybe one day it'll make it in. <laughs> it'll make it in. Yeah, he'll come back one day, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like to find your stories? Um, so right now I have a lot of different, you know, uh, Twitter lists for different interests, whether it's like arts news, indie news, New York news. But in the before times, it was really great to just have this network of people um, in Indianapolis. Like there are people that I would talk to and they would have like a boatload of stories anytime that I talked to them just because they were like super interesting people. Yeah. Um, And it's great when you can like hit on something in a conversation, whether it's actually talking to someone in person or just like reading a story that someone has written that there's like a really small detail that you're curious about. And you're like, that could be a story. Like just wondering where something came from or trying to follow up on something that's mentioned in a story, but is really worth of breaking out in a story in itself. Yeah. You're hunting like that is really a lot of fun. So you recently also spent some time on the New York Times Express desk, right? Which is the group of reporters and editors who monitor and report on breaking news. How was that? That was so much fun. So I worked days for the first week and then nights for the second. Um, And it was an intense first two days because I covered um, a school shooting in Arkansas and then one of the worst border crashes in history involving migrants that killed 13 people. Right. So that was intense starting out. But then after that, I mean, one thing about Express is that they do hard news like that. But there's also really fun stuff. Like I did a lot of animal stories, actually. Really? Um, so my favorite I think I did on Express is I wrote a feature that I pitched about this mansion for sale in Chicago that I'd seen a listing for. Um, and it was supposedly built for the woman who scapegoated for starting the Chicago fire, Kate O'Leary. Okay. Um, it turned out not so much. Like it was really an exaggerated listing. And I was like looking at census records um, and talking to historians because her son had lived there at one point, but not until after she died. So it hadn't been built for her. But that was like a really fascinating, you know, scavenger hunt through history. I bet. Um, And one thing about Express that's nice is like you do a lot of breaking news and it's very intense, but for like a very short period of time, generally, like these are only like 500 to 800 word stories. So you have time to dive into like longer stuff, like the cow mansion story, (laughs) because obviously news doesn't break all the time. You just have to be ready when it does. So it's kind of nice to have that balance going on too. Yeah. What's, what has surprised you about the New York Times? Um, I think it's just been how not like how good everyone is at their jobs but just how much everyone really cares about the product that we're putting out like everyone is invested in making sure we choose like just the right word here or making sure that um, everything is like an accurate reflection or the, the best possible reflection of what we can say about what happened and everyone is just really attuned to nuance and like there's no there's no question that's too small like you can email an editor and be like, oh, there's an extra space in this story or something. Because there's there's a guy on Twitter. Um, it's I think the handle is like New York Times typos, but that likes flagging everything in stories. And it's right. like, 
everyone is just super, super committed to putting out the best possible news report. And that's really refreshing. Yeah. So you're in Indianapolis, not too far from where I am, actually. But you were supposed to move to New York, right, for this fellowship? Is that still in the works? I mean, I hope so. We'll see where I end up after my fellowship is over, um, job-wise. But I'll at least be making a trip this summer to see. They just announced um, Shakespeare in the Park is coming back. And whatever and other fun things crop up. Because, um, I mean, things are getting better now. Like, the the end has been sight for the pandemic. I mean, I'm looking forward to getting the vaccine. (laughs) Yes. There's lots of hope out there now, right? Yeah, I mean, I can't believe it's been almost two years since I was in the New York Times building. I mean, it doesn't (sighs) feel like that long, but it also does. Yeah. I have to ask about the bachelor degrees too. So you have three of them. How or why did you decide on three? I I come into IEPY just with English. And then I added Spanish because like I'd taken enough classes that I was, I was just going to have it be a minor at first, but Uh like I tested out of most of the introductory courses. So it was the situation where I was like, I might as well just get a major in this. Um, And then journalism, so that was something that I added my sophomore year um, where I really got reporting experience with this online news outlet, which was the Campus Citizen, um, and really decided that that was something that I wanted to do in the future. I mean, that was something that I thought coming into college, but I wasn't sure that I needed the degree in it either. Okay. Okay. So you thought you'd get the degree in English, but still do journalism. And then it was kind of a similar situation to Spanish where just the amount of classes I'd considered doing a minor in that too, but I had a lot of AP credit from high school. So I didn't have to take a lot of the introductory classes, which kind of opened it up for me to take higher level courses in these other disciplines that made it a situation where it was feasible for me to get a major and not just a minor in these subjects. Right. Do you have advice for others going into journalism? I would just say, um, Ask as many questions as possible about everything. Be as curious as possible, not just about like stories and sources, but also um, just talking to people at the organizations that you're at, whether you're interning or whether you're starting a new job. Just like people are fountains of institutional knowledge and they've had all of these fascinating experiences and they're just like sitting there. I mean, they won't like ever volunteer things, but when you start asking people about things, they have fascinating stories. um, And it's a great experience learning from like, more experienced or older reporters that have really covered all variety of things in the world and have really fascinating insights about just how to do that in the best way possible. Yeah, it sounds like that's how you've been so successful too, or you've really taken advantage of that. Before we go, we'd love to hear your insights into some of the best artists, musicians, actors we should be following right now, because I'm sure you're following them. Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll give some local shout outs first. So I just wrote, um, the, the Indianapolis March Madness mural story. Um, and I love Joy Hernandez. If you've ever been um, in Broad Ripple or Fountain Square and seen like the little astronaut guy, the murals, uh-huh. um, she does those. So she did um, an artist designed basketball court for the tournament. And it's Bean the Astronaut, which is named after the painter Alan Bean who walked on the moon. Okay. Um, so that was really cool. Um, and then also Gang Gang is a local um, startup or an incubator that's working to elevate artists of color and they're doing some really cool work in the city. Nationally, I mean, I, I really got into All Creatures Great and Small on PBS. Um, so I wrote the Matthew Lewis profile for that, but also the uh, the main actor in that is Nicholas Ralph, um, who uh-huh. I 
now a big fan of just because I mean he, he was great in that series so if you're looking for you know wholesome television right now all creatures great and small um is about a veterinarian's adventures uh, but well, it, check it's, it out it's, it's as exciting as a marvel movie I promise <laughs> that sounds great well thank you so much Sarah I really appreciate your time oh you're welcome <laughs> You can follow Sarah on Twitter and Instagram at smbar, B-A-H-R, 14. That's all for this episode of Media in Minutes, a podcast by Communications Redefined, available anywhere you get your podcasts. You can find more at communicationsredefined.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Angela Toole. Talk to you next time.